0: last night and uh, I almost said good evening. I'm still in this space from last evening. We had a wonderful gathering here at the chapel for a world and uh, world environment day and uh, it was a great gathering of the cross-section of the community and uh, I should say that's probably in the program. I never introduced myself. I'm David Leslie, director here at the chapel and uh, uh, some a lot of familiar faces, a lot of new faces, so I just want to welcome you whether you're here for the first time or as we'll say first time for the first time again you know it's always what uh, the thing about the chapel is great is it's never the same ever it's always new for the first time even if you come like I do every day it's always something different so welcome Uh, particularly want to say a little special note of uh, thanks to the community um, and I think it's very uh, germane for what we tried to do through the, um, all the programming, but t- particularly the 12 moments during the year. Some of you all may know that the chapel a couple of weeks ago was uh, uh, vandalized. Um, and uh, I'll say a little bit of because it was not just the impact of the physical, but also the existential. And what happened was at some time between 5 and 5.30 in the morning, uh, paint was, uh, white paint was poured on the front of the chapel at the front door when you come in. It splashed up on the walls, it splashed up on the door, and it was on the plaza. And then somebody put and dumped paint into the pool, which was a, another piece of the physical. But the thing that was really uh, disturbing was all over the campus and even floating in the pool were these flyers that read, It's okay to be white. And you just sort of step back for a minute and you think about the vandalism that happens to our bodies, to our souls, to our sense of just being. And as we talk through this over really about a week, a two week period, it's also that uncertainty. Some of you all may know it on a very first hand basis, could this happen again? And maybe not could it, but will it happen again? And that very weekend was a very trying time for our community because you remember on that morning there was a shooting at Santa Fe High School. But then later in the weekend, a mosque in town was defaced. And it's a mosque that has been attacked several times. In that sense of being a community that uh, I think we like to say we value each other, we support one another, we stand with each other, but we also realize how fragile those relationships are. And I think part of what we, we really hope through the 12 Moments and the programming we do is that we introduce uh, each other's practices, uh, what we believe in, what's important to each other, not as monologues, but as dialogues. And through that, then hopefully friends develop in and, and that sense that we all know the truth, that we're much stronger when we stand together then we stand apart, and we also realize there are forces, princes and principalities, they use use the word imperialism, uh, uncertainty that lead to certain kinds of behavior that do not lift up, but in fact drive wedges and separate. So I just wanted to say thanks to the community, um, as I did last night, to those that came to say thanks for the witness of the Rothko Chapel, the work that we're about, uh, to share a little bit of our angst during that time uh, and a lot of that came from people's personal narratives that said we've also been there before so i just wanted to to publicly make that comment today uh, with that we only have really one rule of housekeeping here it's got several parts an a and a b but if you could silence your phones and please refrain from taking photos i know it's very tempting I, i've been guilty of that before but I think that's also a way that it gives us that space to really be attentive uh, to one another and uh, kind of decouple de- for just a little bit. Um, also, as part of what we, try, we do with the meditations, um, there'll also be time for conversation Q&A after the, uh, the, the practice part of it. So it's a time to get to know uh, the Trish a little better. So I hope you'll feel free to participate. Now, with that as background, I'm not going to do a lengthy introduction, because that just cuts into our time uh, to learn and experience. But it's an honor to have uh, Satma Turakalsa with us today, a native Houstonian. But as I read her bio, which, by the way, is in your program, so I'll I'll leave that to you. But what I really was most impressed with is her, uh, I don't know if she ever used the term before, her geographic ecumenical interest. Geographic ecumenical interest, Uh, uh, we found out that we have crossed our own paths uh, from Portland, Oregon, where she learned yoga and really became a teacher, to Española, New Mexico. We were talking about the really cool uh, low rider parades that come in, in addition to her guru, who we happened to meet in uh, South Africa at the World Parliament of Religion in 1999, uh, to being a native Texan. And it's so interesting, uh, maybe that's another program, the concept of home, to what we come back to uh, and what we, we gravitate toward, knowing that, again, we're very connected. I said last night on World Environment Day that it's very interesting that this place is about a local community. It's right here. Uh, what we do here permeates and extends far beyond these walls, but likewise, what happens out there permeate the walls that happen here. And one thing about religious and, and meditative and transcendental and philosophy and theology is it puts us into that global conversation and it puts us into a conversation over eons of time. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to be in this space today, uh, to be able to explore th- something that's transcendent in so many different ways. So with that as kind of my introduction. Suttmater, welcome to the Rothko Chapel. We're honored to have you here today.
1: Thank oh my you. gosh. Thank you. I forgot I had a mic. I was... <laughs> <Have your> mic. <laughs> Thank you. I am beyond honored and so humbled to be be here, be asked to speak again. This is the third time um, for me, and I am just um, speechless about that, really. So... Uh, just a very quick brief introduction about me that relates to the introduction was um you know i grew up in i'm i was born stacy martin stacy elizabeth martin was my born given name i grew up in a methodist community you know a church um this is my mother and my niece and um i never knew what a Sikh was growing up. I was considered probably, you know, middle class, you know, privileged, perhaps white person. Um, And it wasn't an... I knew from an an early age when when my aunt, my great-aunt Dorothy, who lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico, introduced me to art. She introduced me to yoga. She introduced me to reflexology, these things in the 70s that people didn't know about. And I knew instantly in that moment that my life was headed a different direction. So since that point, or maybe even before, I was looking for something more for me that worked for me. And um, it took me to, my journey took me to Portland, Oregon, which is where I found kundalini yoga. And it happened, uh, you know, I could spend a lot of detail with all this, but it, it took me to my teacher's feet, Yogi Bhajan. He brought um, kundalini yoga, the teachings of kundalini yoga to the West for the first time in history, where the, that type of yoga was taught openly ever, so during that wave of the 60s, you know, when the Indian masters came and shared some teachings, um, he was one of them, one of the lesser known, and now he's becoming more known. Um, and so then I found myself uh, practicing Kundalini Yoga, but then also taking on the an exploration of this Sikh faith, which is something that I had never known about, never imagined that I would be practicing (laughs) and never considered that I would be spending, you know, 12 plus, however, 15, you know, more than that years of my life dedicated to that path. I have a master's degree in world religion and ethics and spirituality and education and stuff, but uh, so I was looking. So long story short, um, I had never really faced any, you know, other than personal adversity. I had never experienced much adversity in the world because I was white. Let's just be honest, right? So after 9-11, I'm dressed even more, um, you know, more um, (laughs) different, strange than this, right? I had a full turban on. I was wearing more like Indian-type clothing And the first hate crime after 9-11 was um, with a Sikh gentleman. And he was bending over, planting flowers in his little garden or whatever at his gas station. And so that was the first hate crime after 9-11 was a Sikh because he had a turban. And the turban was associated with terrorism. So when you bring up um, this type of vandalization and the violence that's happening in our world... It wasn't until that moment when I found myself on a plane, right when the first plane started flying after 9-11, flying to Mesa, Arizona, and becoming part of an interfaith community um, to bring together the different faiths, to understand each other, and to build a network of community um, to support each other's belief systems and practice. So it gave me a depth and a um, um, very personal experience over all these years of wearing a turban in public. This is a mile. This is like the, the, the you know, um, uh, lazy girl's turban. Um, you know, and today even I took a picture of it, um, one of the like Vogue or something now. It's like fashionable to wear head, things on your head. So it doesn't stick out as much. But back then, you know, I, I could read the psyche of people and it was like, you know, they're not understanding. They didn't know what it was. It was thought it was a Muslim and there's like an intent toward violence of some sort, which doesn't make sense to me. Or that it was my way of showing support for that. There was, in many ways, not an understanding or an education around what it, what, what is this. And so... Um, Anyway, moving on. I'm grateful for that, those experiences that gave me much more insight into being a target, even if it's silent. You know? Even if it's a misunderstanding, a silence in the space. Uh, So I I have a lot of compassion for all that. But what was interesting also... um, In contemplating and preparing, meditating on this presentation, um, I had already chosen the mantra, mole Mantra, which um, is perfect for this time and space. And so in your packet, uh, you have this, does everybody have this? So I'm going to try to be really brief because I'd really rather not talk so much and then for us to have an experience together. Yeah, raise your hand if you need one. So this particular version, I'll keep talking while you Oh, okay. <laughs> so what so this particular mantra, uh, we could spend a lot of, I'm trying to rein myself in, uh, about, this isn't a class on the Sikh faith. <laughs> um, the Sikh faith began in the, the 15th century with, with Guru Nanak. And he was the first of 10 living masters, living gurus at that particular time. Um, and so he was the first. This version of the mantra um, was actually handwritten by the tenth, the last, Guru Gobind Singh, and that's one reason why I cho- one reason why I chose it, because after this um, lineage of gurus, and each living master brought their own contribution and evolution to. Uh, this path, and just like many different, you know, like with Christianity, right? There's so many different, um, you know. I was, I grew up Methodist. It can be Catholic. Can be, there's a wide variety of, of range within even just Christianity. Same with Sikh, the Sikhs. There are many different practices and ways of approaching the understanding of what is a what is a Sikh, and it's very personal. It is all very personal, right? Um, so this is just me here today. It's not that I represent all Sikhs on the planet. I had my experience that somehow delivered me here and I'm just sharing my, my perspective and what I have to offer today. So if you were to listen to a Punjabi scholar, uh, it would be perhaps a different experience. So anyway, going back to Guru Nanak, here's a little storytelling. this might be interesting for you. <laughs> <laughs> Might be the most interesting part. Uh, Guru Nanak was born fourteen uh, something, and he was kind of like Lord Buddha, right? He was born of a privileged family. Um, he was different. People didn't quite understand him. You know, these these ascended beings are often a bit different, and um, he tried to have a home life with a wife and children. He had two children. That's another long story. But um, he decided that he um, needed to spread the word of his experience of the divine. And he traveled all over the world, like on foot. He went 30 years he spent walking across Asia. And he has he's written in different um, religious texts as Baba this or Pierre you know the different um, traditions he's he's known to be in Tibet he's known to be in Arabia he's known to be in China he was known to be in all these different places where they revered him and at that particular time just like you know throughout time throughout a long time you know there there's strife between religion and. It's my way, and your way is not right, and your God isn't true. My mine is the only God that's true, and all this. And he used to do things like um, lie, hips, you know, lay down, and his feet would be toward Mecca, and the Muslims would be like, "How could you do that? How could you? How could you place your feet toward Mecca? It's the holy, holiest place." He's like, "Well, where? Can you tell me where God isn't?" And he would write um, many, many songs and sing poetry, mystical poetry songs, and would walk the earth on foot singing. And um, this particular mantra that we're going to learn about today is called the mul mantra. And mul means root, so you'd heard of muladhara, the root chakra, the root. Um, It's the base, it's the seed, it's the... Um, what brings it, everything sprouts from. And he had this experience in a state of union with the divine, and he actually had written it down, which is unique across many traditions because some of them are more like the disciples or whatever told, you know, said what was said. Um, so, anyway. The first line, so going to this page, this is a beautiful kind of artistic rendition, but then going to the next page of your paper, this is a Gurmukhi script. And it it didn't come along until much later, a couple gurus later, Guru Arjandev, he created a phonetic script because the poetry that was coming in if you think about that particular time and space, you know, t- Pakistan didn't exist. India didn't really exist. It was this whole um, these river valleys along that flew that flew that flowed out of the Himalayas, and um, the yogis wandered and they learned from each other, and there was a lot of learning and exploring and experimenting um, about. W- their experiences, learning about experience with the, with the one. And so this first symbol up here at the top is actually a mathematical formula. When he came out of his three-day meditation, the first word he uttered was ik onkar. Ik onkar. Ik is the number one. And then Om is like you've heard of Om A U M. Ong brings it into form, brings it in. If you chant Om, you vibrate sinus cavity into the brain, up up into the roof of the mouth. It actually changes your the chemistry in your brain, and change, which shifts your consciousness. So it brings that in amorphous infinity into into your form. Kar that which created everything so as we go through I'll uh, give a translation Um, and this was this particular translation was um, Yogi Bhajan my teacher gave my friend this this order was order the right word whatever the word is you know this um, uh, exercise to translate this mantra And so this is her translation that was approved by him. So, ik onkar, one spirit beyond, moves within the creation, coordinating, consolidating, continually creating. And the second line, sat nam, sat means truth, like eternal truth, not just an opinion of truth or a private perspective on truth. It's like eternal throughout time and space. It's another word for like relating to the divine. Nam is essence. So th- this spirit within me is my true identity. Karta It does all and causes all to be done. Nirbo. It protects me through all incidences of time and space. Nirver. It fears nothing and knows nothing of vengeance or anger. Akal murit. Deathless, it comes into form. Ajuni, in itself, it has never been born. Saibang means self-illumined. Flowing through the cycles of birth and death, it moves by its own purity and projection. Guru Prasad, this understanding shall come to you as a sweet blessing, as a gift. And jap means to recite, to repeat what we just said. And then the the finale of it is, such. in every moment continue in its continual remembrance, from the start, this truth was true. Jugad such. All through time and space is true. Even now, habi such. Even now, this truth is true. Nanikosi be such. Nanik says, shall ever be true. So when he came out of the water, he meditated in the water for three days. And these are the first words that he uttered when he had that union with the divine. And he understood this root understanding of the divine. And it's not something that's separate from us that describes something that's outside of us. It describes what is within us according to our tradition. And so Guru Nanak, like I mentioned, you know, he was um, one of... one of the tenets he established in the faith is Nam Japo, which means Simran, reciting repetition of of the divine's name, to feel that presence. And so what we're going to do at, is to have a personal experience. So I'm just leading us hopefully into that where we can spend some time having a personal experiencing, chanting these words. If you want, you can listen. But I want to explain real quick. Um, what Guru Nanak is introducing, and it's throughout a lot of traditions, is chanting, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's the first line of the Bible. How you, you could contemplate how that's translated. What is the name of God, you know? And the name was God. A vibration. Science has proven everything is a vibration. Everything that has a vibration has a sound current. So Nod Yoga is the essence of all sound. Fundamental frequency comes from common source. It's a universal code behind language. Comes, and this is not a spoken language. This is a, a mystical sound current. Um, this mantra that we're about to recite. And so, um, and here's one, one more quote about uh, mantra from Yogi Bhajan. Mantras are not small things. Mantras have power. They are the mind, vibration in relation to the cosmos. The science of mantra is based on the knowledge that sound is a form of energy, having structure, power, and a def- definite effect on the subtle anatomy the psyche of the human being. So it's not just, uh, it sounds nice. Some of the sound, maybe, maybe, you know, you like, your mind likes, or your mind doesn't like. doesn't matter. If you, sound, if you chant the sound current, you will start to have an experience. And so let's go over real quick. And by the way, um, I don't know if anybody caught this this morning. Um... I rarely watch TV, but CBS This Morning Show, there was an interview about um, how meditation is now, they even use the word prescribed, which is what I've been using for a long time, being pers- prescribed because they now have enough scientific data to prove that it actually does something beneficial for you. And with mantra you can actually prescribe mantra to relieve stress, to relieve depression, to um, create, which we're about to do, a sense of unity, going back to you know, what's happened here with the vandalization, what's, what's happening in our culture, which what's happening on the planet. Just by us uttering these sounds, we have a personal harmony, unity happening inside us and then with us here together today. But the vibration of the sound goes out forever. There's no end to it. So when we complete our meditation, our chanting, we can hold the entire universe and all the living beings in our space and include everything in it. So all those who are being affected by violence, by volcanoes, by whatever trauma, lack of food, you know, hold them in our space for comfort so that on a vibrational frequency level that goes on and on, they are affected. And, um, okay, so that's probably enough talking. So let's go through real quick and I'm going to be teacher for a second. So repeat after me just so I can kind of hear if you have Mastery is not expected. this is first time perhaps introduction to mole mantra so um and it's also we have a a nice western version of it, so it's not so foreign sounding perhaps, and this version we're gonna sing with but ick you got ick right ick it's not a bird. Bear- <laughs> Means one, doesn't mean icky. (laughs) Ick. Ong. Oh, that sounded good. Ong. So vibrate sinus cavity. Ong. Just do that for a second. Ong. You feel any vibration in there? Car. Sat nam, karta purik, nirbo, nirver, nirver. akal Murit ajuni. ajuni, sabang, sabang. guru parsan. Up. such are such do god such, such. such. have such. Such. be such nanik ho be, be such yeah the good students okay so Now we're going to have the opportunity, what time is it? We'll have the opportunity to chant, to sing. And Guru Nanak, you know, he didn't, um, he was into singing. He sang everything with joy, with divine uh, illumination, you know. So as you're learning it, you know, you're going to be probably looking at your sheet and Learning it for a little bit. And that's perfect. That's what we do in the beginning when we're learning. No problemo. But as you do it, and as you start to get the sound current starts to make sense in your mouth, and your brain is working itself around it, um, hopefully we'll have enough time. I'll stop talking. And we can really, you, what we, what we strive toward in our practice is to become it. We have this prana, this life force that we breathe, that we inhale, is is the prana, life force. Inhale, and then with this prana, this healing, this light, you create a sound current, a a vibratory frequency that moves your own cellular vibration. And then, so then you become it. So just like Guru Nanak came out of the water and he spoke these words, it didn't belong just to him, and like he's a Brahmin and he was the only one who could speak those words. He abolished the caste, society. he tried to abolish the caste system and raise the level of the feminine, honoring the feminine. And so it's you become and raise and elevate your own frequency through, this, through these sounds. And so, feel, you know, just to feel when we get to the, you know, a little bit later in part after you know it a little better, you know, feel how it feels in you. Feel how it feels in your mouth. Sacha, maybe kind of um, perhaps feel like you overdo, like over, over enunciate a little bit so that you can feel it, how the tongue hits the upper palate and how it feels in your mouth. Sacha, doa, cha the such. It brings in the element of ether. We're working with elements. I mean, we could go on and on and on. So we're going to have another course on this another day. But um, for now, we're going to turn on um, the music and, and sing. So this, this mantra, this root mantra, this mantra of oneness, of creating a, a, a psyche, a harmony of oneness within ourselves with each other. Whole planet. And so take a deep inhale and bring in that prana. Bring your, elevate your spine a little bit. And exhale. And center yourself. And take another deep inhale. And exhale. And then inhale to begin. Uh. well that's the wrong one hold on it got switched when I was talking here we go
2: I satnam karta purkh nirpao nirvaer akal murad ajuni sapam guru par sad
1: inhale and hold that precious prana that life force in you and let it float and then exhale and another one inhale deep 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 inhale and exhale And just for one moment in silence, feel that vibration of the mool mantra resounding within you. And notice your sensations of how it affected you. and include all living beings in all places throughout time and space in a state of oneness. We are all one. We come from the one. And all these beautiful expressions And last time, inhale deep. And exhale. And just last time, the translation that we just sang, one spirit beyond moves within the creation Coordinating, consolidating, continually creating. And this spirit within me, within me, each of us, is my true identity. It does all and causes all to be done. It protects me through all incidences of time and space. It fears nothing and knows nothing of vengeance or anger. Deathless. It comes into form. In itself, it has never been born. Flowing through the cycles of birth and death, it moves by its own purity and projection. This understanding shall come to you as a sweet blessing, as a gift. So repeat in every moment. Continue in its continual remembrance from the start. This truth was true all through time and space is true. Even now this truth is true. Nanak says, ever shall be true. And so this mantra doesn't belong to seek, the Sikh faith. It belongs to everybody. It belongs to anybody who can hear it, who can utter it, who wants to practice it. It's the beginning of a longer prayer called Jepji, which we won't get into. But in your handout is uh, from Yogi Bhajan, is called 10 Steps to Life from Japji Sahib. And the beginning of Japji is this mole mantra. And the first 10 steps are this mole mantra. So you can go through and read on your own and contemplate and uh, what each of these steps is and where it takes you. And then at the very end, Um, it's talking about the four aspects of the guru. The guru is that which transforms darkness into light. The guru's technology. One is that negativity doesn't work. Two, positivity is the best approach. Three, how you can do it. And four what it will give you is described in the mole mantra and then later in the lengthier version of Japji. And so that's the mole mantra. And it's the root of all the entire Sikh faith is this particular mantra. Everything that was came out of it later was from this mantra. So I know that there's a lot more we could go into a lot more depth with. Um, so uh, if anybody's interested we can talk later we're going to be leading a workshop on this in July for those who are interested in that. But for now I hope you had a I hope you had a little bit of an experience with just that short amount of time of chanting. It goes much deeper when you have a longer time with it. Um, it can be daily practice. But it, but I'd like to open it up for questions and uh, try to be helpful <laughs> with what we just experienced. How many times that repeat? And does that have any meaning? Yeah, it repeated almost like I think 11 minutes or so. Um, this gets into a little bit more yogic realm of, you know, the malas. A mala has usually, you know, 26... 20, 108 beads, you know, and so you recite the mantra. That's why they, or rosaries perhaps. You know, so um, the Buddhists have them, every every tradition usually has the version of that. And so, yes, 11 is a number of mastery. And so, uh, sometimes we've repeated it 11 times, sometimes we repeated it for 62 minutes, sometimes two and a half hours. One mantra I recited 11,000 times over six days, you know. So, um, the reason we do that is to, for it to solidify, to stabilize in our consciousness, in our, um, in our psyche. It's because even though these words are foreign, they have a, a consciousness about them and an intelligence that becomes, you become it, and then you already know it. Whether or not, like I studied one, one, um, Long poem called, uh, doesn't matter. So it, I chose not to re- read the English part and just focus on the sound current. And then later was interviewed and I found myself quoting that prayer without even knowing I was doing it. So it's just an example. When you repeat 11 minutes, 62 minutes, two and a half hours, whatever you have, three minutes, you know, three times, one time, Go for it. Whatever the time amount you have, it it has a benefit.
0: So you did six days continuously?
1: Yeah, 18 hours a day. It was the hardest thing I ever did, yeah. <laughs> so this is phonetic? This is this a phonetic... English phonetic this? Correct. And is
0: that song available?
1: Yes, for free. For free. And there's an app called Grabani MC. You can also download it off iTunes. And I can show that to you. Her name is Noreen. She's a Narinian, she's a friend of mine from Vancouver. And uh, she's a musician. There's tons of musicians. There's different versions. So this was, I chose one today that would be kind of more like Western friendly. <laughs> and there are some that are more, you know, Indian um, male voice, very strong male voices and stuff. So anyway, that you can find a version that you like, that you, your pitch You know, that's a little high for me, but that your pitch resonates with. You could even, once you learn it, sing, you know, just chant it on your own and listen to your own voice. Why would you apply it just under, like, meditation? You can, on iTunes, um, who's a tech person here? Shazam or Spotify or something? (laughs) You can do that. You can do that. And then I am happy to... um, You know, you can take a picture of what this looks like and you can download it off iTunes or go get the app, the free app. Um, And there are, yeah, different versions you can listen to. I have a question. Can you just repeat the last line? Or it must be done in
2: full context.
1: That's a good question. Um you can repeat the last line, but it goes together. It goes together. This, I would say for now, <laughs> to just keep it together. Yeah. We have variations, all this, and but it's too much to go to right now. And it's not like you know, it's like a recipe. If you mess, if there's one piece that kind of gets, isn't included, then it messes up the cake. Um, it could be like that. But as long as your intention is pure, really. Have is this intercessory? Is it what?
0: When you talk about taking on the weight and experiences of other and the collectiveness, so is this chant intercessory? Is this a chanting prayer? Is it intercessory?
1: Yes. I mean, I'm not saying that we need to take it it all on and hold the weight of the world with us. It's actually a weight, because that's my typical hypersensitive mode, is to feel everything and be overwhelmed with the state of the world, you know. Um, This is one way that we can actually bring healing. I can't go to Guatemala right now and help people look through the ash. I can send this sound current and this prayer for those souls who might have departed or for the workers looking for them or for the family members who are horrified. You know, it is a way of healing Myself, my environment, humanity. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. So it's to, to me, I find that the mantras, the meditation, it's actually what keeps me together, to be honest with you. Um, I had to find a technology, a yogic technology, um, you know, this Nod. This is Nod Yoga, sound current, um, that helps me stay stable with my level of sensitivity. We are all sensitive beings, right? So with depression or anxiety or um, when I am not practicing, I'm not <laughs> in a good space, you know? And that's, I mean, just, I'm a human being too. It's, I'm a human being. And um, that's what got me into this And that's what keeps me steady and keeps me going. And when I hit the rough patches, which I hit, I have to sit myself down like a child sometimes (laughs) when I'm fighting it. My ego is fighting it. And surrender and just start chanting. And usually I kind of start out sometimes angry or negative or, you know, um, wanting to blame or whatever it is. And then the mantra starts transforming that into something that I can be with myself better. (laughs) I can stand myself. (laughs) So it's a, it's, um, even though this is a mystical you know, this mysticism is actually very practical. Very, pra- very practical is now science. Like I mentioned earlier, science is proving it through the research of the brain and how these. We could get in. We'll go into it in the workshop. But you know, like it's actually very practical technology. It's an ancient form of medicine through sound, current, sound vibration. And so you can really heal yourself and heal others because, like the te- my teacher said, you know, if your presence doesn't work, nothing will work. If What vibration are you in? What is your frequency when you're with people because it's going to affect them? You know, and if it's not a nice frequency where you're at, then you can uplift it. So speaking of the vandalism, of the things happening on the planet, we're here together today um, for the purpose to, you know, whatever your intention was to be here, and then also, you know, to heal. To heal ourselves, to elevate ourselves, to elevate each other, to create a better planet where these things don't happen, you know. The last words of my teacher were, don't live at each other live for each other
0: I think with that I've got the best of jobs and the worst of jobs. I get to introduce and I also have to say our hour is up but I have a question you mentioned the workshop how would we get more information about the workshop or things in the sick community here in Houston?
1: Sure um, so it'll be on my website um, lay, my, we're all human beings. I'm working with my compu- my website guy. So it'll be on later, let's just say this week, um, to give him some space. So I have a sign-up sheet teapot. Do you have it? The sign-up sheet. Did I give it to you? Um, if you are interested in learning, my little sweet pea niece, come sit. Um, ha- you're welcome to... I won't bombard you with, like, uh, sell your email or... <laughs> I won't, I don't do that. If you would like to learn more about when that is and what's happening, you're welcome to sign okay. up for it. And she you can help with that. Great. Do you have a website? What is the website? Okay, don't look at it today, please. <laughs> it is to be updated. I've been waiting on my web guy, But it's SatMitter, so you have the handout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that name, Sat, um, dot com.
0: So it's, in the, it's uh, in the bio. Is it? Okay. It's in that second paragraph, the second sentence.
1: But it ha- he's been out of town, hasn't up- updated it, so.
0: So what we could do is why don't we take the sign-up sheet, we'll put it in the narthex or the foyer, and then that way people who want to still sit, you're more than welcome. To, just for those who are new, the chapel's open every day of the week. Thank you. 10 to 6, I so please you. come. And I also want to kind of just get your attention looking forward. Our next uh, big program is on summer solstice. And if you haven't come before, it's a really remarkable day. We start the day at sunrise, and there'll be a labyrinth walk. There'll be meditation. And then in the evening, there'll be taiko drumming. And uh, many times there are six 600 people here. So you'll get to experience the Rothko Chapel in a very, very uh, different way. Satamar, thank you very much for uh, gracing us with your presence today and for uh, sharing your gifts, and we look forward to the next time. Thank, thank you. Thank
1: you so much. <clears throat> thank you.